0: the great french gastronome briat savarin once said tell me what you eat and i will tell you what you are i'm jamie Schlur. welcome to stir crazy where i'll be talking food with the most intriguing people who you least expect to talk about food my guest today is a well-known and popular comedian and actor having started in stand-up back in the 80s, getting his big break in TV writing, then acting, then producing, when he was brought on to Roseanne, for which he won a Peabody Award, a Golden Globe Award, and a Glad Media Vanguard Award. He went on to create, write, and star in his own shows, including The Jackie Thomas Show and Tom. He has appeared in a multitude of films, including Gardens of the Night, True Lies, Nine Months, and Happy Endings. His TV credits include Sons of Anarchy, General Hospital, The Best Damn Sports Show, period, and My Big Redneck Wedding. He's also involved with several charities, including First Chance Scholarship Program and the Race to a Race MS. And he's established a writing scholarship and runs an acting workshop for students at the Indian Hills Community College in Iowa. He is also, and I assume that it's his favorite role yet, the dad of two. My guest today is the fabulous Tom Arnold hello tom hi hi welcome
1: well thank you this is very exciting because we're twitter friends but i'm also such a fan of your work and ah and we got your books here
0: that's an honor
1: the pictures are make me so hungry <laughs> they're just beautiful and so this is a big honor uh this is quinn
0: right tom brought along special guests
1: yeah, Jax is eight and Quinn is six.
0: Oh, good, yeah. I want to I wanna talk to you about the cooking that you guys do in your house. But when Matt invited you to be a guest, he said that you do not bake.
1: Well, I mean, Jax yeah, makes what well, you do, right? You Can bake a bake? lot of cakes.
0: Oh, good. I'll talk to Jax. Yeah. <laughs> you go away. I'll have Jax on.
1: <laughs> Wonderful thing yeah. for Jax, uh, he's, you know, got to a point where if the kids want a cake, He's got to bake it. Oh, good. And so that kind of cuts down on some of our nonsense. But he's he's very good <laughs> at it and uh, all himself and very proud of him.
0: Oh, good. So the question is, has he ever made profiterole? Has he ever made choux pastry?
1: We've eaten it a lot, but it's never baked.
0: Okay, so you're going to see how easy it is. We're going to start with that, with the baking segment, and then we'll talk while it's in the oven.
1: Amy, how are you feeling, by the way?
0: I haven't coughed since we started recording. I I don't know, I'm going to the doctors again tomorrow. I'm kind of nervous because I obviously have something that's not going away. So I'm just hoping it's, I'm praying that it's not serious.
1: I'm praying for
0: you. You know, it dawned on me that, you know, when something happens to you, you think, gosh, how can this happen to me? And then you remember that you're at that age, because you and I are about the same age. It's like you get to that age where you think, oh, crud, I'm at that age where things like this happen to people.
1: Yes, that is true. And We're lucky to be at this age. I am you know, but uh, you're absolutely yes, right. Yes. I have two pairs of glasses. I have hearing aids that I use sometimes.
0: Yeah, see, I lost my brother when he was 52 and every year I pass 52. I think my lucky stars.
1: You look a lot younger than me, I'm gonna tell you. You look amazing. <laughs> you're very, uh blessed. your husband's a doctor, right?
0: No, 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 he's a, he trained as a veterinarian. It's the same thing, I mean.
1: You're the same thing, well, yeah, I'm from well, a farm. I grew up on a farm. The veterinarians, oh, if yeah. we got a cut, my dad would send us to the veterinarian. And I'm not even kidding, because he's his buddy, yeah. he'd come out to the farm and so us so up." But I, I noticed you mentioned about being able to see your x-rays because your husband's in the business and it's very helpful.
0: Yeah, because they hand them to you and say, okay, here they are, your doctor will get another set. And you're like, nobody's gonna explain to me.
1: Right. And when you're in the room getting x-rays or MRIs or whatever, you sense that you can tell what the deal is and they will never tell you anything. So we tend to make things worse than they are. I do.
0: It's very unfair. In fact, you've just messed up my whole interview schedule because at the very end, I wanted to ask you what I'm going to ask you now since we're talking about this is you've had serious health problems. I know you went into heart failure, since it's a foodish podcast, did it make you change your eating habits?
1: It has, uh, and uh, I recently had another, ball. Well, uh, I think it's called occlusion in, in this eye here, which is, uh, you know, could have been devastating. You know, uh, we get to hope delivery now. I think that during COVID, my excuse is I put on, weight. I have had every neurological and uh, heart test in the last two weeks that you could possibly have. And I'm very grateful that I'm good because uh, two years ago, I was not good. You know, I was on the ECMO machine for 11 days on life support. So I'm very grateful, but I got to lose some weight. I used to be able to lose weight. First of all, I grew up on a farm and I worked. So we ate terrible, but losing weight is become harder and harder, I have to admit it. And I have to exercise every day and get back down to a reasonable weight. And so I've some meals delivered that are really fresh, you know, the way they're prepared. And if there's a plate of food, even if the kids don't eat theirs, I tend to eat it it's something i got from my dad where you just don't throw food away you just eat it yeah and you know uh put on weight like sugar makes me crazy you know and the kids will have sugar sometimes their friends give them sugar at school and but I just need to have an awareness of, you know, and I've also regulated by eating too, not in the middle of the night anymore.
0: That's important, yeah.
1: Everybody's settled and the kids are asleep and then I get up and take my shower and then I go and I'm like, hey, maybe I am super hungry. Maybe I need to do this. So, you know, I'm an addictive person. I, you know, i am been recovery for many things, but it does get in your head. You know, I spent the last year, a lot of last year in Italy filming and you always say, this will be the last time I could eat this food, maybe. I better eat all of it it you know and, and the food there is so good i mean people always say the food's good food's great in france too obviously yeah but you're like you're there and you're like oh i must try this so you know i get myself in trouble that way
0: well you know i grew up in the states and we could eat whenever we wanted whatever we wanted there were no rules we ate good meals but you know we'd have ice cream in front of the tv at night we'd have snacks and the french really regulate it they never eat snacks after dinner ever. So it's like you're sitting in front of the TV and you're like, can we get a snack? No, (laughs) it's like, no, we don't eat snacks at night. And even snack time is at 10 in the morning and at four in the afternoon. It's very regulated. So it took a long time for me to get into that rhythm. It's very hard.
1: We have a ritual here, because we get up early and go to school. We get up at 6.30 in the morning and we got a little bit of a drive. So Jax goes into the bedroom about 6.30 or 7, lays out, know, we all sleep in the same bed still. <laughs> but by eight, we're asleep. It's like the food thing. We eat dinner at five, and then there's no treats, supposedly no treats, in the evening, but it, this is totally on me and the best thing I can do for my kids is set a good example you know, and they're aware of my physical stuff, they like it when I go out back, I got a recumbent bike and a, a elliptical workout, and they tend to give me the time to do that, and you know they're very aware that dad takes a lot of medication, and I do have a scale you know, a lot of people say, well you can't wait don't weigh people, oh no, I wait I wait, we all weigh. not every day but maybe once a week, you know I tend, if I don't see it on a scale it doesn't exist, but it's really important, and that's really what I'm focusing on now. Like, this will be a great treat today, but then it'll be back at it.
0: So back to what you were saying about your kids. You're a big name in American TV and cinema. I've known who you were for a long time. I started following you on Twitter last year during COVID, and one of the things that I saw you post that really touched me, and I thought about it for months and months, and it stuck with me, was Jax had made a cake for you to celebrate your four years of sobriety. And you sat down and you taped it and you explained what it was. And then I did a search and I saw that you had posted a video in 2018 where you also had a cake with your kids to celebrate one year sobriety. So your kids are very young, but how much do you talk to them about your addictions and sobriety and how much do you think they understand?
1: Well, the stuff they learn in school now is so different that I learned, you yeah. know, they're very, you know, that nobody smokes. Bad people smoke. They're aware of that. You know, I haven't had a drink in 32 years, but then I had a, an issue at 19 years sober where, where I wrecked my motorcycle. And I'd always said, you know, my thing was alcohol and coke. and uh, I'm not an opioid guy. And I'd sponsor these opioid guys who were heroin or whatever. And, and I'd say, yeah, that's not me. But when I broke my back, it became me and uh, as soon as i got a shot of fentanyl on the highway there i'm like oh yeah this is working and yeah. so obviously the kids haven't ever seen me do those kind of things my last addiction issue was with benzos with ativan xanax uh, which are great for people except when you're your own doctor and i was having trouble yeah. sleeping and probably some issues with uh my son um, you know when you see your baby born you're like oh my god they're perfect And then you start thinking about your childhood. I had a rough childhood. You go, oh my God, people were doing that to me when I look like that. Hmm. And it became something to deal with. You know, in my old neighborhood, this is, you probably Google this, but there was a pedophile. (gasps) And I went back as an adult after I got sober and found him. Hmm. And so I thought to myself, well, I got him.
0: Oh yeah, I heard about you doing that, yeah.
1: I've uh, outed him, 30 other kids came forward. He doesn't have his business anymore. I've done it all, it's over. But I think that then you start seeing your kids grow up and you go, oh no, because in the back of your mind, no matter what, you're still like, well, maybe I was a bad kid or what. And then you see your your own son and daughter grow up. And so I had some issues with that, which I had to address. And then started being my own doctor with the relaxing medication. And then I went back to rehab in 2017 to deal with that. And I'll tell you what, that addiction is a rough one, Hmm. because, you know, I've come off of a lot of different things, but the Benzos, you know, the Xanax, those things, it's a whole different thing. And I, I went to a place called Crossroads in Antigua, the Eric Clapton rehab. It was rough, but it was great. And then came back and started my sobriety over.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, you know it's just really important to my kids. My kids have been here when other twelve step people have come to the house and talked, and so their whole life they've been you know and the thing about me is from the time I quit drinking in nineteen eighty nine I've gone to twelve step meetings, even when I was like, "Wait a minute, how long have I been on this paid medication? I have to start over, but I've never not gone. I've never not been around like minded people, never not been of service to those people. They've never not been of service to me. Mm. And, you know, what goes around comes around. So I think that probably saved my life, always being in touch with that, with who I am. And and then how do I navigate this next thing? But, you know, I just can't do anything. You know, I'm good with that. You know, I'm just a very addictive person. And uh, my kids, you know, I want them to be aware because sometimes it's in your DNA. My mother was a maniac alcoholic. Didn't raise me, but I was aware You know, but back then, people didn't call it alcoholism or addiction. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's really important to be rigorously honest with your kids. I mean, you don't tell all the stories, but you just say, I just don't do this.
0: And, you know, as parents, especially when they're little, you just want to protect them from everything because everything terrifies you. But you who have experienced everything you experience, how do you keep from going crazy trying to protect them? Because you do know what's out there.
1: Yeah, you just have to. If you obsess on it, it's everything, huh. everywhere. But you just try to live a day at the time and be in the moment and believe in yourself. I don't control everything, but I can pay attention to stuff, which is something people didn't do when I was a kid. Hmm. Uh, I don't want my kids to live in fear or whatever. I mean, yeah. anytime you even have a sleepover, you're like, what is mm-hmm. happening at that house? And we haven't had very many. And you're like, okay, I know the dad, I know the mom, I don't know everything. Mm-hmm. I, my kids have phones. They can
0: go. <gasps> That's scary, go. Yeah.
1: It's also very important because my kids went through a very uh, a high conflict divorce and uh, a lot of things happened. And uh, when I was a kid, when I was four, my dad went through that. So I have a little experience on that side of it. And, you know, it's all been about once the court stuff ended, which I hope it did. It's uh, been about I don't control what happens over there or what is said over there. But the best thing I can do for my kids is uh, be a living amends for everything that they when you have that, you know, we tried to live in the same house for a while. And the kids feel everything. There was a lot of things that were not okay. And what I do right now, this is a new thing. This is something my father did not do. He was a great man. I loved him. He raised us. Oh. He, he got married. My mom, he was 18. She was 16. But he never said when she came over and did something, You know, she'd show up once in a while, just hammered and oh. just saying such inappropriate things. And he would laugh. And I knew, I knew, oh, she's not a mother. She's not my mother. She doesn't want to be my mother. But my sister is a year and a half younger, worshipped her. And it got my sister in trouble later in life because that she moved in with my mom when she was 14. My mom made her get married to a guy that was 22. And they did drugs together and they drank together. And, and I feel like if a kid's witness something that's not okay, I'll say what just happened was not okay. I don't treat people like that. I don't want people treating you like that. I don't want you treating people like that. I just want to tell you that wasn't okay. And then we move on. We don't dwell on it. You know, we get back to our life. But I think the parents, they talk about taking the high road like my dad always talked about. But there's moments where you got to go, guys, what (laughs) what you just witnessed or just what went down is not okay. And they acknowledge it. And then we move on.
0: That's good. So speaking of all that, you know, while I was doing research on you, I listened to a ton of interviews that you did for TV, for podcasts, and what I realized is that you're an open book. I mean, you talk about everything publicly openly honestly you know I know that some of the stuff you talk about especially a lot of the painful stuff you talk about not to draw attention to yourself but to draw attention to the issue of it so people can talk about it to say it's okay to talk about this publicly is there anything that you don't talk about is there anything you keep private that you've never wanted to talk about Not that you have to tell me, (laughs) but it seems like you talk about everything, your marriages, your divorces, your addictions, your childhood, but are there things that you say, no, 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 I just can't talk publicly about that?
1: Well, I'm thinking about that right now. I think what I always think is I should talk about it because if somebody else knew it, Mm -hmm. they would own me. That's why I found the pedophile. I was like, I don't trust him walking behind me at Kmart in my hometown with somebody going, see that famous guy, I Mm -hmm. effed him. And so I'm like, I'm gonna take it back from him. But also I I feel like the people I bond with in life are the people that are incredibly honest and like painfully. You know, you see this on Twitter where people are going through something and they share that. You know, in my dad's day, people didn't share. it. It was a secret. You know, in my family, we've had some suicides, which they're like, we are not talking about this, but it happens a lot. And so anytime that I feel I could do something that connects with somebody like people have connected with me, To say, oh, I'm not the worst person in the world. I'm not terminally unique. Oh, he did that. They did that. You know, and now he's, for today, on the other side of it. Because there is hope. Because if people... We tend to go, oh, yeah, I'm bad. Nobody else could possibly have had any of the experiences I've had or the mistakes I've made. And that's just not true. And that's what's great about being around people who are survivors of childhood sexual abuse or alcoholism or drug addiction or whatever. And talking and, you know, you showing other people, oh, there's no shame. And the thing is, Jamie, I have no shame whatsoever on any of these things. And I think that when I first started show business in the 80s, people didn't necessarily... My first ex-wife talked about things that people did not talk about, and it kind of blew people away. And I think now people share more. I feel it's important, and it's always a risk if people are going to dog you or people are going to mock you or whatever. But I never, none of that bothers me, particularly on the internet, none of it bothers me because to me, they're not real. And I do it not to get praise, but to feel like a sense of community with others, Mm, which is really important.
0: Which is also, oddly enough, I find very American that living in France, people do that less. And when you say, oh, me too, they look at you like, what? Why are you turning the conversation to you when what you're trying to do is say, we all go through this.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. We have this common experience. But well, you know, you grew up in the States. So you had that experience. And then you have the experience of looking at another society from your pair of glasses. I mean, I'm fascinated. I work a lot out of the country. and I'm just fascinated by the difference in the same experience, how people deal with it differently. But I think at the core of stuff, people get it. I think people are brave to open up about themselves, especially when it doesn't make them look, especially when like, oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: but it also shows we just keep on keeping on, and, uh, you know, one day at a time.
0: So, let's switch gear a little bit. You're Jewish. Your kids are Jewish. I'm Jewish. Do you have a Star yeah. of
1: David tattoo? I have a Star David tattoo. Oh, okay, no. go ahead.
0: Oh, I didn't know that.
1: No, I'm Jewish. <laughs>
0: Well, what is very curious is that you go on Internet and you type in, you know, Tom Arnold Jewish. I do weird things. And it's like people don't know if you're Jewish, you were raised Jewish, you were Jewish, you were raised something else, Methodist, I read, or if you converted later in life. So I'll I'll clear it
1: up. My mother was Jewish, (laughs) so I didn't have to convert. But I did. And I wasn't. We weren't raised it got a little bit of it, but our town, there's only four Jewish families in Etubo, Iowa. And my grandmother on my dad's side worked at the Methodist church. And she was the greatest. And so I really can't complain about my mom. But that's where she works, so that's where we go.
0: Oh, that's the Methodist.
1: We work like, Methodist is like a little like religion-like. Because my great-grandmother on my dad's side was a Pentecostal.
0: Oh.
1: And I only went there with her once. Mm. And it was madness with the talking to the snakes. And, and so, but my mom's side, you know, all of uh, my grandfather's friends were Jewish. And, uh, and now it started making sense to me later in life. And then I, I said, well, I want to get my head around this. I want to get our family tree, figure out who's who. And then when my stepson, when he was 13, Roseanne's son, Jake, when he was working to get bar mitzvah, studying, I said, I'm gonna do that with you just to get my head around yeah. what I don't know. And people thought that was me converting, but I didn't. In fact, my stepdaughter wrote a book and she said that I'd convert it. And I wrote her, I had no complaints about her book because she could say whatever she wants, but I said, no, I did Number one, I'm six two. She said I was six foot tall. And two, <laughs> I did not convert. My mother, who she didn't know, was Jewish from the Cohen. But so there is confusion. In fact, Adam Sandler. Yeah. You know Adam Sandler?
0: Not personally, but yeah.
1: <laughs> he does the Hanukkah yeah. song yeah. and he included me and then he said, Tomorrow converted, but you can have him back. It was very funny. And he apologized to me before it even came out. And I love Adam Sandler. I love that it's an honor to be included in the Hanukkah songs. It is. <laughs> yeah, as well.
0: I mean, do you know when you go to Twitter and you click on the gifts, and you type in Hanukkah, like 90% of them are Adam Sandler playing that song.
1: Of course. <laughs> of course. But, well, you know, I also feel like whatever your religion, and you know this, especially for us Jews, anybody that criticizes, we can't say, like, I'm a Reformed Jew, or somebody is a, an Orthodox, or somebody is converted. It's a sin to say they're less than. Yeah. It's written up. You can read it. And I think that with all of these different things, it's not just questioning someone's faith. It's one of the many, many rules, the commandments.
0: So do you guys celebrate any Jewish holidays with your kids at home?
1: Yeah, we do the high holidays and we do Passover, of course, and Hanukkah, eight days. (laughs) Eight days, eight gifts. You know, we also celebrate Christmas. We celebrate Christmas very big here. Oh, Because, you know, just from my experience as a kid, you know, there's certain things that are traditions and you do it and you do it. That's what our family does. This is who we are. But if you hammer them at a young age, then there's no way. There's no way they'll continue. And my whole dream is for them to just continue. Their grandfather on my dad's side is really important to these guys because he was a part of the 42nd Rainbow Division that liberated Dachau. Wow. And changed him which is something I obviously got to talk to him about. That was on my dad's side. So that experience, it's important that my kids are aware of. And my uncle made the famous uh, documentary, The Secret Life of Adolf Hitler, and wrote the book. Oh, He read WPIX in New York, so it's rough. But you know, they, there needs to be an awareness because people will occasionally say negative things about Jews. Really? <laughs> you don't appreciate that?
0: Yeah. Well, I raised my boys Jewish alone because their father's not Jewish, and we never lived in a place where there was Jewish community, so we would do that. We would celebrate the holidays and Shabbat and stuff. Yeah. uh, I remember when each one of them, they're two years apart, and the first one, when he graduated high school, we sent him to New York to do an internship, and he called me up after a few weeks, and he said there's so many Jews
1: here.
0: (laughs) And then the second son, two years later, we sent him to New Orleans to do volunteer work after high school. And like two weeks in, he called me up and he said, there's so many Jews here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's certainly a lot of this. You know, there's a lot of recovery in LA and a lot of Judaism. (laughs) You know, you can always find a meeting and there's some great temples here and great people. uh, But no places like New York, I'll tell you. Even I've got to New York and thought, there's a lot of Jews here. So, you know, I imagine being from France and, uh, you know, that's a good revelation.
0: Yeah. What I love hearing you talk about your kids in interviews and podcasts and stuff is that you obviously adore your children and love them, but you talk about them as if their very existence astonishes you. You just speak about them with such awe. And it always amazes me to hear you. Oh, okay. Yep. Talk about them.
1: Now, let me say something about you, Jack. The moment Jackson's board, his board, I'd always said, I want kids. I'd always said, through four marriages, I want kids. And it turns out I did. I really did. I wasn't <laughs> just saying it. And everything changed in my life. And I've done, you know, been in 140 movies. So I've done a bunch of yeah. really interesting things, but nothing is as interesting as day to day with these guys. It's fascinating. I feel like they came here as fully formed humans, and it's my job to protect them, encourage them, but also figure out who they are. And it's my job to leave Tamala to go on vacation. Yeah, that's true. You know, they're different, the personalities in each other here, honey, honey. honey, honey it, which is interesting, at it, you just see every day something changes. Somebody mm. says something they didn't say they the did day before, before, and I just love it. I genuinely probably would not leave the house if I didn't have to take these guys to the park or work. I have to work, believe me. But
0: that's all you do but all day is work.
1: Yeah, that's what you say, right?
0: We're eating the ice cream okay. instead of doing the okay. Ice cream. So can I ask Jax a question while he's there? Can you hear me, Jax? Yeah. Tell, tell me what you like about baking cakes. I oh, don't know.
1: What's the best part about it? Do mm-hmm. you like being a charge? What? I'm going to be honest. When he has to make his cakes, he eats less. Because I don't know if this is like that for you, but I mean, it's wonderful to cook stuff, but I think it wears him. And he's like, I had so much fun making these. How many cakes have you made in your life?
0: I don't know. No.
1: How many do you think? 50? Hundreds?
0: okay. He left. (laughs) He just walked off. I think the best thing about making a cake is other people telling you how good it is. Oh yeah. So you bake it and you don't have to eat it. I mean you have to taste test it of course but serving it to other people is.
1: Yeah that's true.
0: So I am gonna ask you one more question and then we'll say our goodbyes. You said in an interview once and I can't remember which one. I think the interviewer said you lived a thousand lives and you answered, I have, but it's all to get here.
1: Yeah, this is today, right here, doing this show with you, my kids helping. This is my goal, to be a hands-on parent. I mean, I'm sure all parents are to enjoy it, to enjoy the kids, to enjoy the rough times, enjoy being a parent. And I've done a million things. And I think always before when I was younger, I was like, oh, I gotta do this next thing. Oh, it's the next movie or the next show or the next thing. And even in my relationships, okay, okay, this is bad. Okay. This next one, I'm going to jump right into it. But I realized a few years ago that this is the best, this is the best. Nobody can take that away. It is mine. It is my life. It is the best life. I've been rich before. I've done all kinds of things all over the world, but this each day is the best.
0: So if you had to stop working for a period of time because your kids needed you at the house, would you easily be able to say, I'm not going to do any TV, movies, anything for the next year because my kids need me at home? Would you be able to do that? You know, I
1: didn't work much during the pandemic because our business was out.
0: Right, that's right.
1: So we homeschooled, but I absolutely could because the kids need to be with me In person, at least 50, a little over 50% of the time, which I would take 100 if I could. But I do make the time. I mean, I make different decisions. You know, when I went to Europe to film five movies the last, they were not long movies. I spent, I bet, 12 weeks, 13, 14 weeks over there. And, you know, I would have taken the kids if not for COVID. And that would have been exciting.
0: Oh, right. Yeah.
1: But, you know, when I got back from the last six-week run, I went and picked the kids up. I've often said I should take a day, but I get them, and then they've been here since. So, to me, I probably don't do as much stand-up comedy as I would. It would for the kids here, because that involves traveling and things. But I've been pretty lucky finding little things that it makes me happy. I had to go to Alaska for a week recently to film a pilot, but... I would absolutely, but I do need to work to pay bills. I have a lot of... That's true. (laughs) You know, I need to keep working. Sometimes I have dreams where I'm living the high life again, but it's different because the kids are always like, why don't we have our mansion anymore? (laughs) Well, we don't. We don't. But what we have here is better. You know, everybody's in love here.
0: Anyway, why do you need a mansion when you all sleep in the same bed?
1: (laughs) No, Jamie, you said it right. Jax, JV just said, why do you need a mansion when we all sleep in the same bed? We never left the master suite of that. It was a nice master suite, I want to tell you. Yeah. Nice. But we never left there. So we had 6,000, 7,000 square foot of house we never used. That's the truth. And so we've uh, rented a couple of houses since. At this house, my son got to vote on this. Everybody votes, but he wanted a giant pool. And it has a giant pool. It is a small house with a small kitchen with a giant pool. And again, they have their bedrooms. I fixed them up nice. One day they may sleep in them. <laughs> At least it them a little place to hang out. But you're absolutely right. You know, and I'll tell you what, if you told me before I had kids that my kids would be sleeping in my bed, I would have said, absolutely. My dad would never have allowed that. So I'm much softer. And I think it's the best thing for now. It's getting crowded. I had to get a double craftmatic bed that goes up and down on both sides so each kid could have the remote control. It does give you massages and stuff. And then I squeeze in the middle every night, but it is a big bed. It is our our luxury, it is our nice well, bed.
0: Does the dog sleep with you too?
1: Sometimes, but she gets a little antsy, so that I take her out into the living room. But she's always going to be an antsy dog. That's just her thing. She's uh, hyped up. She hears something. She you know, and when she first came with us a year ago, a little over a year ago, a year and a half ago, we sent her to the best trainer in the area for five weeks. She stayed with this woman in her living room, like. She gave her the best training because there were five different trainers, me, my kids, Sasha, uh, Rosa. And it's always the dog owner's fault, no matter what an animal does. I learned that growing up on a farm. So we were giving her big signals. Our dog's name is Sharon Stone, by the way. <laughs> she named after my good friend, Sharon Stone, who thinks it's hilarious. Good. <laughs> because the dog is such a handful, like Sharon Stone, who I love. But, you know, it is what it is. And uh, she's not a uh, perfect dog, but she's our dog. And we will deal with. No, 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 Jackson. In, in France, they don't like that. Yeah, well, I don't no. like that. They okay. don't no, 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 like the Hershey. That's like ketchup on your french fries.
0: Well, we do have ketchup. <laughs> I have Heinz ketchup in the refrigerator, actually.
1: Oh, you do? Yep. Because it's different in Europe, ketchup sometimes, even the Heinz. Well, yay, Jack, she's got your ketchup. <laughs> we have 12 bottles of that, just like that, in the cabinet, because you never want to run out of that.
0: This is low sugar tomato ketchup. Oh, it even says it in English.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it does. I've been buying that, too.
0: I'm impressed.
1: Low sugar, low salt, whatever we can do better.
0: Well, Tom, I'm going to let you go. This has been fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. I had a great time. I'm glad you had your kids there. Yeah, that thank you fun.
1: for, for uh, that. Uh, I'm grateful I had them there. we will go to the park now and fly their drone. <laughs> Our neighbors get really <gasps> nervous when we get the drone up in the air. But I have to tell you, Jamie... You said something that got me on Twitter that I started when I became a fan, is you're also very funny, and your wit is quick. You got a big heart, obviously, but you're also funny. And you did something that made me laugh so hard, and I can't remember what it is, but I think I wrote you, not everybody's funny, and not everybody can see the absurdity of stuff, especially in this country, and do something funny. It's serious business, of course, but I appreciate your humor, and I love you.
0: That's an honor. Thank you so much. I adore you, and I'm so glad we had this time to get to know each other better and to actually talk, and we'll do it again, I hope. I hope so. Thank you so much. Thank
1: you. Now we're going to enjoy our food. Thank you.
0: We hope that you enjoyed listening to this super fun episode of Stir Crazy with Tom Arnold and his kids, Quinn and Jax. Now hop on over to our Stir Crazy YouTube channel and watch me and Tom and his son Jax and basically his entire household bake profiteroles together. And if you enjoy Stir Crazy with Jamie Schlur, that's me, please subscribe to both the podcast and the YouTube channel. That way you won't miss a single exciting episode. But it's also a really great way to support my work and it gives Stir Crazy the boost we'd love you to give it. Thanks and see you next episode.